It's important to be ready, isn't it? And when you're not ready, it has consequences, like it can be pretty awkward. I mention that because in today's passage, Jesus really wants his disciples to be ready for the arrival of the Messiah, God's chosen king. And he wants them to be ready because if, if they're not ready, if Israel's not ready, if they don't recognise and accept the Messiah when he comes, it's not just going to be kind of awkward and uncomfortable, like not being ready for a kid's talk. But if they don't accept the Messiah when he comes, then they're actually going to be cut off from being God's people. Now, we're not part of Israel. Instead, we're waiting for Jesus to come again as the risen and glorified king of God's kingdom. And we need to be ready for that. Because if we're not ready for when Jesus comes, if we don't acknowledge that he's the Christ, then we'll be excluded from God's kingdom. And all that will be left for us then is fire and judgment and destruction and terror. And so we really need to heed Jesus' words this morning because it's really important for us to be ready. So what does Jesus have to say? Well, he starts by telling his disciples three parables all about being ready. So let's pick it up from verse 35. And in this first parable, Jesus tells his disciples that while they're on the way to Jerusalem, they should be like servants who are ready and eagerly waiting for their master to come home. So verse 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. So in this parable, the master's out at a wedding reception, and from verse 38, we get the hint that he'll probably come home quite late because it talks about him coming in the second or the third watch of the, uh, the night. And the job for these servants is to be ready. They've got to be watching so that as soon as the master comes and knocks, they can unlock the door and open it and welcome him in. Now, as the parable goes on, we discover that if they are ready, it'll be good for them. So verse 37. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. If the servants are ready and waiting for the master when he comes, you get this? The master will dress himself to serve. That's the opposite of at the start of verse 35, isn't it? Back there at verse 35, it was the servants who were to be dressed and ready to serve. Now the master will dress himself to serve. And he'll get the servants to recline at the table, and he'll come and wait on them. Now, that actually happened for the disciples. Remember uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus got up and he took off his outer robe. He dressed himself to serve. And then he knelt down and he waited on them and he washed their feet. But of course, even that was only kind of really symbolic of the way he would serve them the next day. Because how did he serve them the next day? He went to the cross and he served them by taking their place by bearing their sins, by taking God's wrath and judgment against sin upon himself. He served them by dying in their place. And by doing that, he didn't just wash their feet, but he washed them completely. He cleansed them from sin and guilt and shame. But back here in Luke 12, they're not at Jerusalem yet, and so Jesus just desperately wants his disciples to be ready because it'll be good for them if they're ready. Now, so much does he want them to be ready that in the next parable he tells them, They must be ready. Verse 39. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Now this parable, it's about a homeowner who wants to protect his house against thieves. 
And the point is, you never know when a thief might come, so you've just always got to be ready. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to constantly make sure the windows are closed. You've got to lock the doors when you go out. You set the alarm. You've just always got to be ready. And Jesus says to his disciples, be like that. Because the Son of Man will come when you don't expect it. And so you must be ready. Verse 40. You also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now later on in Luke, in chapter 21, Jesus will tell his disciples that the Son of Man will come with power and great glory. And he says they'll actually see it during their lifetime. Now what he's talking about there is he's talking about his death and resurrection. He's saying that when you see me crucified and when you see me rise again from the dead, that's the proof that I am the Son of Man. I am the Messiah. I am the King of God's kingdom. But back here in Luke 12, he's saying, I want you to know that now. I want you to, be, to believe me. I want you to follow me. I want you to be ready for when that happens. And the way to be ready, it's, it's to trust Jesus. It's, it's to realise that he is the King of God's kingdom. Now, at this point, Peter asks a question, verse 41. Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? It's not a bad question, really, is it? Because... If you remember back to the end of chapter 11, Jesus had just left a Pharisee's house. Some of the Pharisees and experts in the law followed him out, and outside they were surrounded by a crowd of many thousands of people. So who is Jesus talking to? Well, it's actually a bit unclear, and Jesus' answer is really ambiguous. But I wonder if in this next parable, Jesus is still talking to the disciples but maybe talking about the Pharisees. See, in the next parable, there's a new character. There's a manager. Have a look at verse 42. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? I wonder if the manager is meant to represent the Pharisees and the experts in the law. After all, remember, they were kind of the religious leaders of Israel. They were put in charge to take care of the rest of God's people. And they would certainly fit with what Jesus says at the end of the parable in verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The Pharisees and the experts in the law, they have been given a lot. They're part of Israel, part of God's chosen people. They have the prophets. They have God's law. These guys have dedicated their entire life to studying the law and so if anyone should be prepared to recognise the Christ, if anyone should be ready for the kingdom of God, these guys should be. Which just makes it all the worse when they're not ready. Because the point Jesus goes on to make in this parable is that if the Pharisees and the teachers of the law don't recognise the Messiah when he comes, then they'll be cut off from God's people. In verse 43, he says that if they are ready if they recognise the Messiah, if they're serving Jesus when he comes, then they'll get the honour of serving him on a more permanent basis. But, verse 45, suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and maidservants, to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The Pharisees have the law, right? They've got the prophets. The whole Old Testament has been pointing to Jesus coming as the Messiah. 
They should know that. And if they fail to get ready, if they fail to put their trust in Jesus, then when he comes, it's going to be bad for them. If they don't accept Jesus as the Messiah, then they're going to be cut off from being the people of God. In fact, they'll be put with the unbelievers. And Jesus is telling this to his disciples because he desperately wants them to be ready. He wants them to realise he's the Christ because anyone who doesn't acknowledge that he's the Christ, even if they're one of the leaders of God's people, Israel, anyone who doesn't recognise that he's the Christ, anyone has no place in God's kingdom. Anyone who doesn't recognise Jesus as the Christ will no longer be part of God's people. Now, after saying all these parables, Jesus starts talking about kindling a fire in verse 49 and undergoing a baptism in verse 50. What's all that about? Well, Jesus is saying that his death as the Messiah, it'll bring division. See, back in Luke 3, we were told that Jesus was going to come and baptise with fire. In other words, he was going to come and bring judgment on the earth. That's what he's talking about here. When he says, I've come to bring fire on the earth, he's saying, I've come to judge the earth. But he also says, I have a baptism to undergo. See, Jesus will judge the earth with a kind of baptism of fire, but for his followers, he'll take that judgment on himself. He'll take that baptism of fire Instead of them, he'll die in their place. And so Jesus has come to divide people. There are those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, those who trust that he saved them from judgment, they'll be welcome in his kingdom. And then there are those who are still facing God's judgment, those who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They'll be cut off from God's kingdom. That's why he says in verse 51, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. And so he says to the disciples, from now on, there'll be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Now, why is he saying all this? He's saying it because he desperately wants his disciples to be ready. You guys must be ready, he says to them. And being ready, being with the Messiah, it is so big, it is so vitally important that you don't just keep the peace over this, not even in your own family. I mean, you can almost imagine Peter's mum and dad saying to him, right, do you really need to go to Jerusalem with Jesus? I mean, isn't it a bit dangerous? He keeps upsetting the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and didn't he say when he gets there he's going to die? No, you'd better stay with us and just keep a bit of distance between you and Jesus. Jesus says, no, I'm the Messiah. We're going to Jerusalem. And when we get there, yes, I am going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to bring in God's kingdom. And you've got to be with me. You've got to be ready for that, even if it means being divided against your family now. Now, after spending so long urging the disciples to be ready for the kingdom, to accept him as the Messiah, Jesus eventually turns his attention to the crowd. And essentially, he rebukes them for not being ready because they have completely failed to recognise who he is. They know how to read the weather, right? Verse 54. When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when a south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. They can recognise, you know, the meteorological signs. But Jesus says to them, hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky? 
How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? The crowd has failed to recognise what Jesus' whole life and ministry has been about. They failed to realise that when he started to teach them with authority about the kingdom of God back in chapter 4, that was a sign that he was the Messiah. When he healed a man of leprosy and made a paralysed guy walk in chapter 5, that was a sign that he's the Messiah. When he raised a widow's dead son back to life, that was a sign that he's the Messiah. When he healed a man possessed by a legion of demons, that was a sign that he's the Messiah. When he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, that was a sign that he's a Messiah. All the things Jesus has been doing and saying, it's all been pointing to the fact that he has come as God's chosen king, the king who would bring in God's kingdom. And the crowd completely missed the signs. And so together with the Pharisees and the experts in the law, instead of accepting Jesus as the Messiah, instead of trusting him, they rejected him and they put him to death. Tragically, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they failed to recognise the Messiah. They weren't ready for him when he came. And so they have been cut off from being God's people. And that's a theme that's going to continue on through most of the rest of Luke and into Acts. But what's any of that got to do with us? Because we're not Israel, right? Sure, Israel didn't recognise the Messiah when he arrived. They weren't ready to accept him, even when he died and rose again. They are no longer the people of God. What's it got to do with us? Well, as we read on into the New Testament, it becomes obvious, right, that Jesus' death and resurrection isn't the end. After his resurrection, Jesus was taken up into heaven, but before he went, he promised that he would come again. And he said that when he came back, it would be to judge the earth and to fully and finally bring in God's kingdom. And so the New Testament writers, they urge us to be ready. Not to be ready for Jesus to come, to die and rise again, but they urge us to be ready for him to return. So, for example, in 2 Peter, Peter writes this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That's his promise that Jesus will come again to judge the earth and to bring in God's kingdom. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God has set a day. He has penciled in a time when Jesus the Messiah will come and judge the earth. But he's waiting. He's putting off that day because he wants people to be ready. Because if Jesus came back now, the truth is there would be people who are not ready. And there are consequences for not being ready. Whoever's not ready will be cut off from the people of God. And God doesn't want that, so he's being patient. But he won't hold off forever. Jesus will come. And when he comes, you need to be ready. So are you ready? How do you know? Well, friends, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus... If you acknowledge that Jesus is the king, if you believe that he died for your sins and rose again from the dead, then, friends, you are ready. And if that's you, then let me encourage you to keep acknowledging Jesus. Keep trusting in him because Jesus is the Christ. He is God's chosen king. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. His rule will never end. His kingdom knows no bounds. And he's our master. And we're waiting for the master to come to his servants. 
And it will be good for the servant who is ready and waiting when the master comes. That master will dress himself to serve and he'll have the servants recline at the table and he'll come in and wait on them. Friends, if you're ready and waiting for Jesus when he comes, then you'll be welcomed into his kingdom with open arms. It's like we thought about last week. He'll, he'll acknowledge you in front of the angels. But if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, then you're not ready. And if that's you, then let me urge you to give this some serious thought. Because King Jesus is coming, ready or not. And he will come like a thief when you're least expecting it. And if you're not ready, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, then there are serious consequences. Because as we've read this morning, Jesus is coming to bring fire on the earth. If you're still disowning Jesus when he comes, then he will disown you. And you'll be cut off from God. And you'll be put with the unfaithful servants. And in that place, there is nothing good. There is judgment and there is pain and there is torment and there is anguish and there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth and unquenchable fire and it is utterly, utterly, utterly terrible. But Jesus doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants you to be ready. That's what today's passage has been all about. So let's be dressed and ready for service. Let's acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. He is God's chosen king. He is our master. Let's be like those servants who know their master's will, who are ready, who are doing it when he comes. Let me pray. Father, not being ready is a scary, is a scary thought. Even not being ready for small things like like a kid's talk makes us feel anxious and worried and nervous. And so, Father, we thank you for the warning and the reminder this morning to be ready for when your son Jesus comes. We know he is your chosen king. And you've said that he will come again to judge the earth, to divide people into those who trust him and those who don't. And he will come again to bring in your kingdom. And so please help us to be ready for him. Help us to acknowledge him as our king. Help us to be alert and eagerly expecting and waiting for him to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.